Hey, uh, I'm excited to open the scriptures with all of you for this uh, series, Encounters with Jesus. And I wanna start with a question. Here it is. When's the last time that you failed? Last time you bombed, you blew it, you dropped the ball. I'll start. How about this? Okay, so uh, it was a number of years ago, back when I was a youth pastor, so a student pastor for our Lifeline students, teenagers. And uh, I got a call, I got an invitation to speak at a baccalaureate service. Now, if you've never heard of one of these, it's like a worship service for students who are graduating from high school. And I thought, okay, this is perfect. This is an incredible opportunity to share God's truth with students as they're about to venture out onto the world. So I said, yes, I committed to this thing. And the conversation was like months before the event. So I told myself, okay, you don't need to prepare right now. You can write this sermon, you know, down the road. Now, something you have to know about me. I hate disappointing people. So, uh, you know, showing up on time, meeting expectations, all these kinds of things are very, very important to me. Which is why it was so surprising that on a Sunday afternoon in May, while I was chilling in Starbucks, just kind of putting the final touches on my Lifeline sermon for that evening, that I got a phone call. And I was like, hello. And the person was like, hey, just making sure you're still coming to the baccalaureate service to speak. And I was like, of course I am. I'm so excited about this opportunity. And I, I obviously know, but <laughs> when is it again? It starts in 20 minutes. And that's when I freaked out. I mean, I just totally panicked. I drove home like somewhat under the speed limit and threw on my preaching clothes, drove to this church where the event was being held. I mean, I showed up like during the singing. It might've even been the last song. It's like, put the microphone on, go up on the stage and start preaching. It was the most disorganized, underprepared, uh, unclear sermon I've probably ever given in my life. I mean, I felt like a failure, like I bombed, like I dropped the ball. So that's me. When's the last time that you failed? So this story that we're gonna be looking at today from the scriptures, this encounter with Jesus, it involves a failure. So here's the scene. Jesus is with three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, and they happen upon this crowd. And the crowd is in an argument. And Jesus is curious about what's going on. And so he asks. So if you wanna follow along today, the story is in Mark chapter nine. Uh, and here's, how, here's what Jesus says. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashing his teeth and becomes rigid. It's pretty intense. This father brings his son looking for Jesus because he's heard that Jesus can perform miracles and he can heal people, he can cast out demons. And he's hoping that Jesus will cast this demon out of his son. But when he arrives, Jesus isn't around. And so with Jesus not being there, he's like, well, the next best thing would be Jesus' disciples. So he, uh, continuing on the story, he says, I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. So here's the failure. 
He's like, well, how about you guys take a, take a shot at this? The disciples try to cast out the demon and they bomb, they fail. So this is a story about a family that's in pain, a family that has been in suffering. We got a father bringing his son who's been possessed by a demon. And this is a story about failure. And we get to see how Jesus responds to this situation. Now, I think this story is incredibly relevant for us because some of you might relate to this father. And the idea is, you know, you, like him, are going through a really difficult time. You're just going through a stretch of life where things are not going the way that you want. Things are not going the way that you imagined. It's really, really difficult. And perhaps you're even wondering if God even cares about your situation. Or maybe you relate to this father in a different way. Because he showed up looking for Jesus. He wanted help. He wanted Jesus to heal his son. And you've got something that you want God's help with. You want God to provide you with something, give you with something, fix something. But this father, he hasn't been helped yet. There is no healing yet. And maybe that's kind of where you're at. You're going like, well, God isn't helping me. He hasn't done anything yet. Or maybe you relate to the disciples. They failed. I mean, they blew it. And maybe that's where you're at. You, you failed recently. And maybe it was a small failure or maybe it was a big failure. Or maybe you're in like a cycle of failure. You just keep making the same mistakes again and again and you're starting to lose hope that you're ever gonna be able to get this right. Maybe you even feel like the disciples because Jesus is a little disappointed with them because they failed. So wherever you are, and whatever you're going through, I think there's something important for you here. In fact, this is a powerful story that I can't wait to unpack with you. And I just believe that we're gonna walk away from this encounter with Jesus with a restored and renewed sense of hope and trust in our Savior. So let's jump into this story. It unfolds in three parts, and part one is called Compassion. So Jesus brings, or sorry, this father brings his son to Jesus. Jesus uh, isn't there. The disciples try to cast him out. They fail. And so now Jesus says this, bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and he rolled around foaming at the mouth. And I just wonder, have you ever witnessed someone going through something like this. Now, I don't mean like the demon. I mean like what we're, what's being described here is like foaming at the mouth, falling down, convulsions. To me, it sounds like a seizure. Have you ever witnessed somebody going through a seizure? So a couple years ago, I worked with somebody who uh, occasionally would have seizures. And there were a few times that I was present when she had a seizure. And I gotta tell you, it was really scary. I mean, it, it, it freaked me out because uh, you know she would fall on the ground and shake and I didn't know what to do. I, I felt totally helpless. And it's so dramatic, you almost feel like, is this person dying? I mean, what is happening? It was really, really scary. And yet I know that some of you have experienced this on a much more personal level. 
because you've had a child have a seizure. You've had a grandkid have a seizure. And again, you, you feel so helpless, so powerless. It's so scary. You rush your kid to the hospital. They run all these tests and you're thinking, okay, was this a fluke? Is this like a one-time thing? Does my kid have epilepsy? I mean, what does this mean for our future? How is this gonna limit my child? And then after that event, it's like every little thing that your kid does, it's kind of unusual. You're like, ah, are they having another seizure? It, it, it freaks you out. It's really, really scary. And so that's where my mind goes as I think about this family, about this father who's brought his son. I mean, I can't imagine what this guy, and presumably his wife, the mother of this child, what they have endured. And so with this in mind, what Jesus does next, what he says next, I think is so moving. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. From childhood. I get the sense that this is not a little boy. This is maybe a teenage boy. So how long has it been? 10 years? A decade? That's a long time to endure this kind of pain. But Jesus' question, so powerful. How long? How long has he been like this? You see, for Jesus, I don't think this is just another problem to be solved. This is not just another opportunity for a teaching illustration for his disciples. This is not just another demon to be defeated. This is a family that's in pain and Jesus cares. He wants to know, he asks the question, how long has it been like this? What we see here is this aspect of Jesus' character that, that I find so compelling. It's his compassion. It's compassion for people. You see it all throughout the gospels. His compassion for people People like you and people like me. He asks the question, how long? He cares. He wants to know. I love this about Jesus. And so this question that Jesus asked, I might just turn it toward you and ask you, how long? How long has it been going on? How long has your marriage been struggling? How long have you been dealing with anxiety or depression or both? How long have you wrestled with these feelings that you never wanted, never asked for? How long have you been struggling? How long has this addiction had its claws in you? How long? Listen, I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what, what kind of pain that you're carrying but I just want you to imagine Jesus sitting across from you, leaning in eyes of compassion, asking the question, how long? How long has this been going on? You see, he cares about you. So there's this uh, Bible verse that I learned when I was a kid. So I grew up in a church uh, tradition where we memorized a lot of verses as children, and maybe you grew up in a similar kind of church, but uh, there's this verse, it's always stuck with me. 
and I want to share it with you. And uh, this is from an older version of the Bible, so if you look this up in your Bible, it might read a little different, but, but here's the verse. Cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. Whatever you're carrying, the cares, the anxiety, the fears, the pain, cast it on him. Give it to him. Why? Because he cares about you. Peter wrote these words. Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, he was there. He was in the crowd that day. And I, I just wonder if this was the first time that Peter, it just hit him like, wow, he really cares about people. And so I just would ask, what do you need to cast on Jesus today? What are you carrying around? What pain are you dealing with that you just need to cast on him because he cares about you. He wants to know how long has this been going on. And yet I know that as we talk about this, as some of you would just go, you know, I appreciate that. Uh, I'm just not sure I believe it. I'm just not sure that I buy this idea that God really does care about me. And the truth is you've got some stuff going on in your life that you feel is evidence <laughs> that maybe he doesn't care about you. And so this brings us to the second part of this story, uh, doubts. So again, Jesus asked the father, how long has this been going on? And he says, it's, it's been going on since childhood. And then the father gives us some more detail. He says, it has often thrown him into the fire or the water to kill him. Now, as scary as a seizure is, this is something quite a bit different. This is something far worse. This is a demonic power. This is a darkness that is bent on hurting this kid. And so this, this is far worse. And the father says, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. You get the sense that he's not so sure. It's like, Jesus, if you can... And I get it. He brought his son to Jesus. The disciples tried to cast out the demon, failed. And so this guy might be thinking like, I don't know, this Jesus can really do anything or not. If you can do anything. And Jesus says, if you can, I think Jesus has a sense of humor. It's like, if you can, do you know who I am? Kind of thing. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. And then he says this, immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. It's, it's conflicting statements, isn't it? He's going, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Uh, okay, I, I believe, um, I don't believe. You see, this guy is like a mix. He's a mix of faith and doubt. He's a mix of, I believe, I don't believe. I believe, sort of. He's a mix. And I wonder, can you relate? I mean, you have days when your faith is like strong and sure, and then you have days where it feels weak and shaky. Can you relate to this guy? I think we are all a mix of faith and doubt. I believe, I don't believe. 
But to admit that you have doubts, I mean, with church people, that feels a little risky, doesn't it? Like if you were to leave the church service today, go out in the atrium and just kind of announce like, you know, sometimes I'm not sure about this whole thing. I, people might not respond super well. It feels a little risky to admit your doubts in front of other church people. But is it okay? I mean, is this all right, what this guy is saying? Is, it, is this okay? Hey, can I be real with you? Um, I experience doubts. I mean, there are days that this random thought pops into my head that's like, uh, is this all for real? Is this all made up? I spent a lot of time studying this book during the week, as you can imagine, you know, preparing for sermons. And there's some pretty interesting stuff in the Bible. I don't know if you noticed, particularly in the Old Testament, sometimes you read it and you're just like, okay, did that really happen? Sometimes when life is not going my way, when things are hard, thought comes into my head, is he really good? Does he really care? Now, these doubts, do they mean that I'm not a believer? The fact that I experience doubts, does that mean I don't have faith? I don't think so. I think every single one of us, because we are fallen and broken human beings, will experience a mix of faith and doubt. I believe, I don't believe. And so I, I might put it this way. I think this would be helpful. Faith is not the absence of doubt. Just because you experience doubts does not mean that you don't have faith. And I think it's a common narrative in our society to just go, well, I'm, I'm having some doubts, therefore I must not really be a believer. And that, friends, that, that is not true. Don't throw everything out just because you experience some doubts. Because we are fallen and broken human beings, every one of us is a mix of I believe, I don't believe. So maybe a more helpful way to say it is this, faith is choosing to trust Jesus in the midst of doubt. In the doubt that you will have, in the times when you do experience doubts, faith is a choice, it's a decision to trust God in that space. It's a choice to say, I believe that he is real, I believe that he is true, I am trusting in his scriptures, you see, faith is a choice to trust Jesus in the midst of the doubt. That's what faith is. And I just, I love this father in this story because he, he shows up and he just kind of puts it on the table. He just says it. He's authentic. He's real. He's honest. He's like, I, I do believe, but you got to help me overcome my unbelief. He's honest and then he invites Jesus into the reality, his struggle. I believe, I don't believe. And so this, this, these words right here this, that this father said to Jesus, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. I believe this could be a very powerful prayer in your life. To just put your doubts on the table, just to, to be honest with God and then invite him into that space. And so I would ask you, where do you need that prayer? Where do you need that prayer in your life today? Maybe you have a decision in front of you. You feel like God is calling you into something. 
He's calling you to do something. And you're scared. I mean, it, it, it's, it's scary. And so in that space, you just go, I, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Maybe it's a different kind of decision. It's not that God is calling you into something. It's kind of like he's calling you out of something. Because there, there's just something that you're involved with in your life that you, you know deep down, you know that God doesn't want you involved in that. It's just not his best for your life. I mean, it is clear when you read the scriptures that, that, that it's outside of God's design for you. And so you have this sense that God is calling you to, to stop doing something, to get away from something. But again, you're scared. Because you're, you're asking the question, can I be happy without that? And also it's like, okay, if God really cares about me, why would he ask me to not do this thing that I actually enjoy? And so again, it's I, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Some of you are college students. And the truth is the, the last year, last school year was one of the toughest seasons in your faith. I mean, it was shaky because you're surrounded by all these really great, really smart people. Very few of them are Jesus followers. And you, you have these professors and they're so intelligent, they're, they're so educated, but some of them talk about faith as if you would have to be an absolute moron to be a Christian. And just to be hit with all of this all the time, it, it just really shook you up and it's caused you to ask some questions. You're experiencing some doubts that you never have before. And you're, you're honestly a little nervous about going back to school. And in that space, you just go, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Where do you need that prayer this week? to just be honest before God, tell him the truth and invite him into it. And, and something I love about this story is that you would think that Jesus wouldn't be cool with this guy's honest answer, but he does not scold the guy. And you would think that Jesus might go like, hey, I appreciate your honesty. Why don't you come back when you have a little bit more faith? You know, Hey, I know you want me to heal your son, but come back with more faith, then I'll heal your son. But that's not what happens. Jesus doesn't get upset with him. He doesn't scold him. And he does heal the guy's son. Check this out. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Jesus expels this demon from this boy. And, and before we move on, there's just one more thing I want you to see in this section of this story. And that is the, the kind of healing that this is. He, he t Jesus tells him, go out and never come back. This is a permanent healing. This demon will never trouble this kid again. He is forever free. And this miracle, like all of Jesus' miracles in the Gospels, is a preview. It is foreshadowing of the future, of this day when Christ will return and everything that is wrong with this world 
that's a result of humanity's rebellion against God, that Jesus will wash it all away and everything will be made new, including pain, suffering, disease, and even death. And included in what will be undone and remade is doubt. Yeah, there is a day coming when Christ returns that you will no longer experience doubt. Where you will trust God so perfectly and purely. And that is an incredible promise that we have to cling to. So Jesus, he expels the demon. He heals this boy. Everybody's so amazed and so excited. Well, almost everybody. <laughs> the disciples, they've got some questions because they, they failed. And so let's turn to part three of this story, which is about failure. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? Jesus, why did we fail? What happened? And I, I have a different question. Why did they think that they could exercise this demon in the first place? I mean, they're not Jesus. None of these guys is the Messiah, the son of the living God. And this is a demon for crying out loud. Like why did the disciples think that they could defeat a demon? And the answer is they already had. They had already cast out demons. You see, just a couple chapters before in Mark's gospel, we're in chapter nine. If you go back to Mark chapter six, Jesus sends his disciples out on a mission trip and some pretty wild things happen. Have you ever been on a mission trip? So a bunch of our students are going out on a mission trip tonight, like this week, they're gonna be serving in Grand Rapids. And so this week, if you think of it, pray for our students, pray for the volunteers, Pray that God would use them. Pray that God would do powerful things in their lives and grow their faith. Think of our students this week. But Jesus sent his disciples out on a mission trip in Mark chapter six. And I just wanna show you some of this because it's very relevant to our story. So calling the 12 to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. So Jesus pairs the disciples off, sends them out. He gives them a little bit of his power and a little bit of his authority. And they went out and they preached that people should repent. And they drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. I mean, imagine this. Imagine being one of these disciples. You're sent out, you're preaching, people are responding. You're literally healing sick people. You are casting out demons. It must have been such an incredible experience. But fast forward the story, chapter nine, this encounter with Jesus and the father and the son, the disciples fail and they're going, why? I mean, what happened? <clears throat> we cast out demons back there and now we can't cast out demons here. What, what's the deal, Jesus? So was it because it was like a super strong demon? It's like a powerful demon. Was it a bell rock? Okay. Now, some of you are going, what is that? But if you've seen Lord of the Rings, you know what's up, right? 
Okay, okay, sorry. So are they going, was this, like a, was this like a powerful demon that we couldn't handle? I mean, why couldn't we cast out this demon? And Jesus has a very clear answer, and it's kind of surprising. He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. It's like, oh, so they didn't use like the demon prayer, like the special magic words that cast out. No, they literally didn't pray. That's why they couldn't cast out the demon. Here's what I think happened. They went out on the mission trip. Jesus gave them some of his power and they're preaching, they're healing, they're casting out demons and they started to think this isn't so hard. They gained confidence in their own abilities and I think they started to believe that they, they could do it. And in this situation, they literally forgot to ask God. They forgot to invite Jesus into the situation. They tried to do it in their own strength and they failed. And friends, I think we do this all the time. Trying to do things in our own strength, failing to invite Jesus in. I think, I think we do this all the time. You start a new job. It's a brand new company, it's in a different field and, and you're freaking out because it's all new and you're going, what am I doing? Why did I take this job? What if I fail? People get fired in the first week. And so you pray, God, you've gotta help me. God, you've gotta show up. If you don't, this is gonna be a train wreck. And then after a couple of weeks, you get comfortable, you start figuring it out, you get good at it. And after a while, you stop praying. You stop asking for God's help. In other words, you start doing it in your own strength. Or, or maybe you found your place to serve here in your church. You signed up to be a small group leader. And so it's the first small group meeting, you're, you're in a classroom or you're in a living room and there's this group of people in a circle and they're all looking at you because you are the leader and you're getting sweaty because you don't know how to lead. You're going, I'm not a pastor. I don't know what I'm doing. And so you pray, God, help me. You've got to, you've got to show up because if you don't, this will be a debacle and God does show up and a great conversation happens. And the next week, people actually come back and you start to get comfortable. You start to figure it out, you get good at it. You've even figured out how to keep this guy, Bob over here from, from taking every conversation and turning it into a political conversation. You even know how to redirect Bob, you're getting good at this. And so over time, you stop praying, you stop inviting Jesus in in other words, you're doing it in your own strength. You're driving away from the hospital and there is a tiny six pound human being in a car seat in your back seat. And you're driving home at seven miles an hour because, it's, and people are driving, you're, you're yelling at other drivers, you're driving like a maniac, there's a baby in here. And you get home and you freak out again because you realize there's no doctors here, there's no nurses here, it's just me and this helpless human and it's all on me. And so you pray, God, you've gotta help me, you've, you've gotta show up, I don't know how to do this. And over time, you figure it out. You figure out how to operate on two hours of sleep. You figure out how to feed this baby and change this baby and burp this baby. I mean, you figure out all of it and over time, you stop praying and, and you're doing it in your own strength. Friends, we do this. I mean, I do this. This whole thing of standing 
up in front of a whole bunch of people and opening the scriptures. The first time I ever did this, first time I ever preached at Ada Bible Church, nervous isn't even close to what I was feeling. It was like absolute terror. What if I mess up? What if I forget everything, you know? And so I prayed and I prayed a lot that first time. And of course, over the last number of years, I've preached a lot of sermons. And so there's a part of me that's like, okay, I know how to do this. I I know how to study a passage. I know how to organize my thoughts, memorize a sermon. And I think stand up on a stage and make some sort of sense to people. It's like, okay, I've gotten used to this. I've gotten comfortable with this. But there's this reality of it is like, if I forget that this is about God moving through his spirit, through his word, I mean, if I don't invite God in, if this is me standing up here, just kind of sharing my thoughts and my feelings, like this is pointless. And so we all do this. We forget to invite Jesus in. You see, the disciples' failure was not that they couldn't cast out the demon. Their failure is that they tried to do it in their own strength. They failed to invite Jesus in. So I have one final question for you, and I think this one is important. In fact, I wanna invite uh, Andy to come back out and uh, play a little music, because I just wanna provide you an opportunity to have a conversation with God today. Just you and him, and the question is, what do you need to invite Jesus into? Or perhaps, what do you need to re-invite Jesus into? What are you trying to do in your own strength? Maybe it's your work. If you're younger, maybe it's your school. Maybe it's your sport. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's parenting. What do you need to invite Jesus into? And and maybe like the disciples, I mean, they, they failed. They were trying to drive a demon out, maybe there's something that you need to drive out of your life and you've been trying to do it in your own strength. What do you need to invite him into? Is it a pattern of thinking and behaving that's just not honoring to God? A relationship that it's unhealthy. What do you need to invite him into? So I just wanna create some space for you to have a conversation with your God. And maybe this is an opportunity for you to just ask God, okay, what is it? Because it's not perfectly clear, or maybe you know exactly what it is and you need to do business with your creator right now. And so let me give you a couple moments to just pray and invite Jesus into whatever's going on. And then I'll close this out with prayer.
Jesus, we invite you. We invite you into our lives. Jesus, we invite you into our pain, into our struggle. Jesus, we invite you into our success, into our joy. We invite you into our relationships, into our family. We invite you into our work, into our school, into our hobbies. We invite you into our sin, in our mistakes, and our failures, in our rebellion. And Jesus, we invite you into our doubts. And we invite you into our church. Jesus, we need your strength. We need your power. We need your healing. We need your presence. And so we invite you. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. My prayer for you this week is that you would remember his compassion, that he cares for you. Cast your cares on him, for he cares for you. And I pray that you remember to just bring your doubts to him. I believe. Help me in me, my unbelief. Help me overcome my own belief. Pray that prayer this week. And I just pray that you invite him into whatever is going on in your life and that you would experience his presence and his peace as you go. Thanks so much for being here this week. Look forward to seeing you next time. We'll see you.